Good morning, Liberty. It's a joy to be here again, to be with you this Sunday morning, and to bring the word of the Lord. I want to take the opportunity to greet Pastor Matthew and Pastor Trina and their family. God bless you. Thank you for the privilege to be here today. I greet my son and daughter today, Joel and Elizabeth. Amen. God bless you. All of the leadership um, here at um, Liberty, I greet you this morning and the congregation. Amen. As I look over the congregation, I see faces are smiling. There's an anticipation of what God is going to do today. Amen. Amen. I want to greet my beloved wife, um, Esther, and our international student, Sophia, who is with us here this morning. It's a beautiful um, Sunday morning. On the outside, it may seems a bit gloomy today, but on the inside, I sense there's liberty. Amen? There's liberty here this morning, and uh, let us hear what the Lord has to say to us um, today. I've been given an assignment, so this morning I want to be um, true and consistent to it as we um, release the word of the Lord today. The last time I was here, it was in October, just around the Thanksgiving time, so the place was really decorated. Um, but this morning, it's, it's, it's opening up, and uh, uh, to be standing before you, it is truly an honor. Thank you again for inviting me here today. I bring you a greeting from Progress Church and our leadership team at Progress Church. I want to share with you this morning on consistency and faithfulness. Consistency and faithfulness. The danger of becoming tasteless salt. The danger of becoming tasteless salt. And I want to um, share from the pastor's scripture in St. Luke Gospel, chapter 14. St. Luke Gospel, chapter 14. And let me read from verses 25 on down to verses 35. Let us stand for the reading of the word. Can we do that? I, I, just follow as I read. I'm going to read it. So um, you're going to be sitting for a few minutes. So just stand and follow as I read. St. Luke Gospel, chapter 14, reading from verse 25 on to verse 35. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, Yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intended to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he is able enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war, war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the order is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks the condition of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be salt seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the downhill, but men throw it out. 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, we thank you for your word. May it bring life to us today. We pray for clarity of thought and calmness of spirit this morning. Speak to this house today, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This special scripture, we could consider it one of the hard sayings of Jesus Christ. Luke writing, when we begin to see how Luke writes concerning the life of Jesus Christ from chapter 9, we see he begin to shift and pointedly begin to speak of Jesus's, Jesus making his way to Jerusalem. Although Jesus' ministry had been back and forth to Jerusalem on different occasions. But from chapter 9, he said Jesus sets his face now to go to Jerusalem for one purpose. And that is to lay his life down for mankind. So this is part of that discourse as Jesus is making his way from Nazareth and going to Jerusalem for the purpose of being a sacrifice. And here Luke is giving this um, talk and, uh, and of Jesus saying here, and he said, if one once comes after me, he have to deny himself. It's hard to hear, hard to take, and hard to receive. And Jesus is making the statement as he's going along, and he's saying, Jesus demands that our loyalty to him and our love ought to be greater than our loyalty and affection to anyone that is closest to us. Now, that's a hard statement. When Jesus said, if anyone is going to come after me, he must deny himself, but he must be willing to hate father, mother, brother, sister. He said, any relationships, any affection that we have, your devotion to me is greater than it. Think of this. But the joy of this conversation can I tell you, although the saying may be hard, the words of Jesus Christ will heal vast and great dividends for our lives. It may be a hard saying, but it's, it will heal unimaginable spiritual riches for us. They lead to treasures of divine blessing. I want to declare to you, the saying may be hard, but the cost is worth it all. It is worth it to be consistently following Jesus Christ. Sure, we may have to give up some stuff, but there's nothing that we can give up that is not worth following Jesus Christ. Anything you consider in your own life today that the Lord is challenging you to lay aside for the sake of following him and be consistent in our walk with him, I want to say to you this morning, it's worth it. The cost of following Christ means that we will require a life of self-denial. It will require death to self. It will require submission to Christ. Sacrifice for his kingdom. Adversity in life. Tribulation for your faith. Rejection from friends. Persecution from the world. And watch this. Even martyrdom. I know that's in, in our context here in the global north where we live. I mean, I think of dying for faith is something that we see on the horizon. But even wherever we are, even within this country that we are living in, wherever we are, there are some sacrifices that are required from each of us today on following Jesus Christ. 
So I want to talk to you about a walk. It's a walk. Jesus said, anyone is going to come after me, it means that we are following him. The walk of consistency and faithfulness. It's the spiritual journey he asks us. He calls us, he gives us the invitation to come follow him. This invitation is still relevant today like it was 2,000 years ago. It has not diminished. It has not changed with the changing of the society. This challenge and the call to follow Jesus Christ is as relevant today as it was when Jesus made the statement. If anyone comes after me, he's saying, he asks us. He's inviting each one to follow him. I cannot follow, my, my son cannot follow Jesus Christ based on my following. He got to do that for his own self. My wife has to do that for her own self. Each one of us here in this room this morning, we must follow Jesus Christ for our own self. This invitation is for each one of us today. He's asking us to follow him. Now, where does this journey begin? This journey begins when we put our faith and confidence in Jesus Christ, our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. This journey will cost you something, but coming to Jesus Christ costs you nothing. Where it begins costs you nothing. Watch this. For hear what Paul says to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourself, it is the gift of God. And not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, coming to Jesus Christ, we cannot do it in our own self. We come by grace. We come by faith in Jesus Christ. But once we begin to follow him, now that's where the cost begins. So this morning you say, well, and pastor, do I have to go home and change some stuff to come to Jesus? I'll say, no, right now, right where you are, by faith you can receive him in your own life. You don't need to go home and change anything. Today is the day you can meet in with him. This journey continues. But on this journey with Jesus Christ, although it's going to cost us something, I, I, I'm reminded of the teaching of Jesus Christ that also said there are some, some joys and some blessing on this journey. I'm reminded of his words on the Mount of Olives in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 12. We say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In other words, he said, even as you follow me, there are some blessings. There are some privilege. There are some um, um, uh, benefits along the way. I know while most of us in this room and all of us in this room who are followers of Jesus Christ, we are looking for that glorious day on his appearing. As Pastor Matthew shared in the communion service this morning, we are all looking for that day of his return. But even as we serve him right now, the promise is given unto us. He said, praise God, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when 
they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Then he says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted the prophets who were before you. So even on this journey, we know that he has promised to bless us. And how many of you in this room this morning, in your own life, you can look back and see the blessings of the Lord along the way? I have certainly seen it. There are tadpoles in our own lives and we can look back, junctions, we can look back and we can see the hand of the Lord in those very moments. We can come to the conclusion we have no regrets in following Jesus. You know, he also promised us in this journey, Holy Spirit to be with us. Hear what he says in, in St. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. He said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, praise God, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Watch this. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Hallelujah. Friends, we could not live this life without Holy Spirit in us. There, there, are some, there are some battles we face in the realm of the Spirit. And I know, I know, when it comes to spiritual warfare, there are different folks on different areas and that. But, but there's an adversary that we are facing. But Holy Spirit is there to enable us and help us on the journey. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness, against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this world. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to wage war on this journey. There are some strongholds that need to be pulled down and we cannot do it in our own strength. On this walk with Jesus, we need Holy Spirit to help us to be able to take authority over these strongholds. So we know that there are blessings along this journey there. It's the presence and the, the abiding power of the Holy Spirit will help us. Let me make a note here. When Jesus asks us to follow him, because I know sometimes culture seems that we, we are the one who asking Jesus to follow us. I want to say it clearly this morning, Jesus is not the one following us. We are called to follow him. You know, many of us, we, we, we set our plans in place and we say, Jesus, you come and bless it. You come and empower it. That's no. He said, follow me. Follow me. It will cost you your old way of life. It will cost you forfeiting your past sins. It will cost your life of ease and living in the world. It will cost you following your own agenda for your life. But it's worth it. Someone say it's worth it. It will cost you time and treasure. It will cost you to suffer for being identified with him. It will cost you opposition and persecution from this world. But can I tell you, you gain more than you lose. Hallelujah. You gain more than you lose following him. So Jesus says, come follow me. And then he, 
put a warning here. And he said, as you follow me, I want to warn you, don't be short-sighted. He said, who builds a house without first considering what it's going to cost? You see, my friends, on this journey, sometimes we, we, we begin this journey and we, we, whether we, it's, it's, it's giving our lives to the Lord or serving in the ministry or doing things what the Lord called us to, we are short-sighted towards it. We only look as far as we can see. But Jesus is saying no man builds a house without first sitting down, counting the cost, because what he doesn't want to happen is him laying the foundation not able to continue. You see, my friends, a wise builder calculate the cost before they start building the project. Short-sightedness will result in the abandonment of the project. He warns us not to be short-sighted. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians. He said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. In other words, he said, while I am living, the life that I live is about Christ. It's not a sprint, if I could use that word. It's not something, well, you know, let me serve Christ for five years and after I will go do my own thing. It's a lifetime journey. Someone say a lifetime. It's a total commitment to him for a lifetime. He asks us not to be short-sighted. Because short-sightedness means a waste of time, waste of effort, and waste of reputation. He asks us not to be superficial in our decisions. He said, consider the cause. And then he talks about going to war. And the concept here is about unconditional surrender. He said, who goes to war and does not consider he has the, the, the troops because if you're not able to confront uh, another king, you got to be careful. In other words, Christ wants us to have unconditional surrender to him. Total surrender. It's not, Lord, this is my agenda. This is your agenda. And my agenda can only work when I have time in it. I can put you into my agenda. He wants you and I, my friends, this morning to have unconditional surrender to him. Doesn't matter what the situation may be. Which brings us to what I want to share with us today. He said, salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? This is more than just the table salt that we see today. Um, when I was reading this and preparing, you know, uh, it brought back some childhood memories. I grew up in a small Caribbean country. So I, I, as a child, it was before we had electricity. So I, might, I, I don't want to lose most, most of you in the room here. So I'll, be, I'll, I'll try to make it for you to understand. So when you don't have refrigerator, it means that you, there is no place to put your meat and fish. Guess what you use? You use salt. So I grew up in a time where salt was king. Salt was important in our home. 
Because my father was a farmer. So when they would kill an animal, it means they don't have a refrigerator, a freezer to put the meat. It had to be salted and then smoked in order to preserve it. The same for fish. I grew up also in a time where, where you didn't, we didn't have running water. So in other words, you had to, put, to keep your surroundings clean. You had to use salt. And let me try to sanitize it for you. If you had an outhouse. Oh, I just lost, I just lost the room right there. <laughs> you had to sanitize it. And you use salt. Now, the salt back then was not the fine iodized salt we see on the table today. It was grain salt. Salt which comes in grains, hard rocks of salt. If you had a wound, you would go to the sea and soak the wound for quick healing. You see, there's, there's some positive commodity or in, when it comes to salt. Salt has preserving power. Salt has savory power. Salt has cleansing power. And salt has healing power. We see all of this in scripture. In Numbers 18, it talks about the preserving power of salt. In Colossians 4, 6, it talks about the savory power of salt. In Mark 9, it talks about the cleansing power of salt. And 2 Kings 2, it talks about the healing power of salt. I remember my father who was raised cattle back in the day. And I, I, I still couldn't explain to you why he would feed the cattle salt, salt. But they would put salt on the feed for the cattle. Every occasionally, every six months they would do that in order to, to help to preserve the teeth of the, um, of, of the cows. No, I don't, know. I don't understand that, but he knew what that was all about. When Jesus was talking about salt here, it's not just about salt for food now. He's talking about the importance of the followers of Jesus Christ being relevant in our time. Relevant in our society. Are you hearing me? Your presence in society ought to be relevant. Your moral influence in the world must be relevant. The answer to sinful corruption in the world rests with you and I today. The penetrating impact of our personal holiness to prevent the force of evil expanding rests with us. Amen. Oh, you missed that right there. Think about it. Think about where we are as a nation. Right now, as a nation in Canada. Think of where we are right now. And stop for this moment and think where we were 20 years ago. Are we a better nation today than we were 20 years ago? If you are truthful, you will say absolutely not. We have seen the penetrating decline of evil pressing. Now, 
trust me, Canada still has some benefit. But the problem is we have gotten so humanistic in our society today where even in the church, all we see is the humanist side of our nation. What we can benefit from a nation. But let us look and see the, 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 the corruption that's in the world. Sin is on the advance. And we are called to be salt to prevent the advancement of that sin. As we follow Jesus Christ, he calls us salt. He said, you are the salt of the earth and you are there to prevent the decaying of morality, the decaying of sin in our society. We are called to be that salt. I know today salts probably get the bad wrapped because... Even in our own home, we reduce salt because that's it. after you get a certain age, you cannot be eating as much salt because it's not good for the body, right? But in New Testament times, salt was essential. It was a valuable commodity. Even the Romans government would pay their soldiers in salt. We have probably heard the saying, a good faithful man was worth his salt. We, that's where we get the, the word salary from. It's from the Greek word salarium, meaning salary. So when you and I this morning recognize that we are here in this world to be that salt, we have a responsibility, my friends, to ensure that on my street, I will be salt. Are you hearing me? Where I work, I will be salt. Watch this. In my home, I will be salt. Because whether you want to believe it or not, the, 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 there is an advancement, and it's not slowly, but it is rapidly trying to push back and bring decay to righteousness in our world today. But we have been given that great responsibility in following Jesus Christ. And as we follow him, he said, you are the salt of the earth. But then he says, if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? There are many things in life that can be repurposed. If you use it for a certain time and then you've, the original purpose is no longer, you can you know, stop and repurpose it for something. Salt is not one of them. When salt loses its flavor, it is worthless. What Jesus is saying here, and it's, it's, it's a statement you could say it could be an oxymoron because how can salt really lose its, its flavor? What salt, what happens to salt, it becomes diluted. The salt in its original form never really loses its flavor unless it's mixed with foreign objects. Unless dirt... And all the things are wrong and begin to mix in with the salt. The salt begin to crumble and decay by God. 
what's, what are you facing today that's causing a diluting of your faith? What are you facing today that's causing your, your, your worth to diminish day by day? Jesus is saying, when that salt loses its flavor, it is worthless. It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and to be trampled under the foot of men. Worldliness, unfruitfulness will cause us to become worthless. He wants you and I, my friends, this morning to recognize that if we are going to be tasty salt, if I could use that word in our society today, it means that we are to get out of the salt shaker of this world and begin to be flavorful. Oh, I want to say it again. Get out from the salt shaker. We have a few of them at the home, but they are no good just being in the salt shaker. You got to get it out. Amen. You got to use it. Praise God. You and I this morning, I know it's, 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 it's great to, 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 this is a wonderful church. We are, we are great to be here in this wonderful church. We are great to, in our homes, in our society. But can I tell you, right here in Bowmanville, you are needed. You are needed to make a difference. In Durham region right here, you are needed to make a difference. Amen. Praise God. Assault gets in connection with foreign properties. It begins to be diluted. And Jesus is saying, once it's diluted, it's impossible to return it to its original state. It cannot be repurposed. The only thing it is good for not. Remember I told you growing up in, in a place where you didn't have certain things even for sanitary. You could not use salt that lost its meaning to bring sanitary purpose to your outhouse. It would make no difference. But throw it out. You throw it on the street to be trampled down. Jesus is saying... We got to be careful about this. And he asks us, as believers, it is neither fit for the lamb nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. Men throw it out. He wants us that we ought to be mindful that we don't live a life where we are good for nothing. Hmm where we become useless to even stem the foul order of the sinful world. Where we are not even able to contribute to the purpose of this world. Worthless salt is good for nothing. Jesus is essentially saying when we lose our influence, when we lose our preservation, when we lose our adding taste, when we lose our cleansing power, when we lose our ability to heal the trauma in our society, we are worthless. My friends, look around you. 
There is trauma. There's, there's, there, there, there's healing to be done. There is cleansing that's needed. And Jesus is saying, he has placed us here in the world to be that salt of the earth. Mm. It is clear. When we lose our effectiveness, it means that we are on a slippery slope. You see, how do we even get there to lose our, our, our effectiveness? How do we even get to become tasteless salt? It means there's an absence of reading scripture. There's an absence of praying and being a witness for the Lord. When we stop gathering together for worship, these things tells us they can contribute towards us coming tasteless salt. My friend, if sin is the cause for losing our flavor, then what is the remedy? Repentance. Amen. Repentance is the answer. Jesus put it this way in his, in his revelation to John on the Isle of Patmos, writing to the church at Ephesus. He said, you have lost your first love. He said, repent. In other words, he's saying, you know what? You are on a trajectory if you do not, if you do not turn around, if you, there's a lack of consistency and faithfulness. And each of us need, damn, this morning need to check our own selves, including me, of our consistency and faithfulness, what do I need to do to remain relevant in our society? Can I remain relevant in Canada in this time as a believer? Can you? Can you? Can you? What about you over here? Can you remain relevant? Yes, we can. Remember I told you that we have the blessings along the way to help us I told you we have the presence of Holy Spirit along the way to help us. Because we are not called to, to deal with these things in the world by ourselves. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. To the end of the world, he is with us. So these penetrating words of Jesus... And then Jesus uses this phrase to end his warning. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, he's saying, give utmost attention to what you have heard. Let it move from your natural ears to your spiritual ears. From your head to your heart. He's saying you have a responsibility to respond. Let me close with this example in Matthew chapter 19. And let me ask the question this morning. What type of hearer are you? What type of hearer are you? So Jesus, he asked us. This question, if you're going to come after me, you need to forsake everything. I need to become the most important um, person in your life. They have no greater affection. I love my wife, love my children, but Jesus is number one in my life. He said, I must be the greatest affection for you. 
then hear what it says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 19 to 23. The hearers we have today, they are mentally distracted. Some of the hearers. I mean, I mean they, they, they show up at church, yes, but by Wednesday they have no idea what was um, taught at church. Because there's so much distraction. There's so much thing in our society that caused distraction. He said, therefore, hear the parable of the soul. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand, and then the wicked one comes and snatch away what was sown in his heart, this is he who received the seed by the wayside. What's your distraction this morning from being salt in the earth? I want you to ponder this. Then he talks about those succumb by limitation. Verse 20 of Matthew 13. He said, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who has air, hear the word and immediately receive it with joy, yet he has no roots in himself, but endure only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Very told of salt, if you bring foreign properties in its environment, it begins to dilute it. My friends, if we're going to live for Christ, I said to you early on, we must be willing to overcome trials, testing, tribulation, and even martyrdom to remain relevant. What's the limitation that you're facing today? What are some of the limitations that stand in your way? Limitation in families, limitation in, 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 your, in, in, your, in your neighborhood, limitation in your own self, undiscipline, procrastinating. What are the limitations that, that causes, as you hear this word, you say, yes, this was a good I received this morning, but never act upon it. What are the limitations? Then he said, what about the emotional hysterics? Receive the word of joy. But look at verse 22. Now he received the seed among the thorns. Is he who hears the word and cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Cares of this world. My friends, you know what causes you to become tasteless? The things of this world. We in our society here, we have great things to help us to live certain aspect of the human life. But when it comes for our faith, if we are not careful, it can choke the word and cause us to become tasteless. But then it says, there's a ready hearer also. Verse 23, but he who receives the seed on the ground, receives the seed on the good ground, is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Each one of us today, my friend, we got to be a ready hearer. We want to make sure that we are consistent and faithful in this journey. Don't be 
a builder who does not first consider the cost. Don't go off to war without consider, can I win this battle or not? But give your total surrender to Jesus. And my friends, I say to all of us this morning that we are to make sure that the things that are, are in our environment that are dealing with us, whatever it is you have brought into your environment, it does not diminish and dilute who you are in your faith with Jesus Christ. Because the enemy is always lurking to bring dilution, inconsistency, unfaithfulness to our faith. But this morning, Holy Spirit is with us Amen. that we can overcome. Thank God for Holy Spirit this morning. Amen. That we are able. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you have not left us without a hope. You have not left us without the help that we need to follow you. We look all around us, Father and God, and we can see the, the advancing of decay, that we see our society, the preservation of what we once knew, uh, no longer the same. There's the diluting taking place. But, Father, this morning, we are so glad that you're with us. You have blessed us every step of the way. You have, you have stretched with your hands and enabling us. And not only this, but God, you have given us Holy Spirit to be in us and with us. And because of that, Father and God, we know that we can run this race. We can follow on to the end. Father, at the end of it, we want to be able to say like the Apostle Paul, we have fought the, fight, the good fight. We have finished our course. We have kept the faith. I pray this morning, Father, and each one of us may determine to finish well, to run with consistency, and faithfulness to the end. Bless this house. Bless the pastors and the leaders of this congregation. I pray they empower them, Father and God, in this season, in this time that we are living in. And we say thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>